0: What's up? Welcome to The First Issue Club. We're your weekly comic book podcast that talks about nothing but first issues. That was a lie. We talk about a lot of other things. We get into comics. We're fans. We're going to talk about the comic book industry. And we're going to do it by discussing C2E2. I braved the trip to Chicago. I made it to the con floor. And I'm bringing you the 12 Things of C2E2. This was my attempt to do like a 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. And so I made it 12 things. So it's like non-denominational. non Yeah. Anyone can enjoy this. Exactly right. Great. <laughs> it was a stretch, but <laughs> hey, I don't know. It gave me a uh, some sort of marker to work yeah. towards for building content.
1: 12 expensive pretzels, 11 dudes as Deadpool,
0: <laughs> 10... Trash cans that are full. Hey, you just described the perfect con. Yeah. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about Batgirls Out on DC, written by Becky Cloonan, a mm-hmm. book we were very excited to read. Yeah. Let's see how we felt after we read it. Yeah. And then, finally, you know we're going to talk about it. We're big webheads here. We want to get into the latest with the MCU, so we're going to be talking about a little Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, Far Away From Home. No Way no Home. No Way Home. Yeah. And all these titles too close to the same. Too many homes. Hey, love it thematically, and you're doing a great job, Sony. Yeah. And Marvel. And Marvel. I just confused these titles. Uh, So we're going to get to that and some other probably Hawkeye spoilers. We mm-hmm. want to save that until last, so it's easy to listen to the episode and flip that off yep. if you don't want to hear any spoilers, if you haven't seen it yet. But by now- Hey, it's Wednesday.
1: Um, it's yeah. probably
0: been spoiled for you. Yeah. If you live anywhere on the social network, it's been spoiled for you. Yes. All right. Let's get into the 12 things about C2E2. Mm-hmm. Of course, every year I apply for my press badge, and they're pretty lax. Every year they, who they give it give press to us. Because <laughs> I always get it. And there's always someone at the convention that's like, oh, wow, press. And I'm like, I'm nobody. Before we start this conversation, I just want to let you know, I am absolutely no one. Yeah,
1: I do the opposite. I go, I'm with the White House. We're doing a comic book uh, committee. We've got some sleeper agents installed. We need to talk to you immediately, (laughs) Mr. Zadarsky."
0: So, number one, safety. Top of everyone's uh, conning list. Yeah, especially this this time of year. When we bought our tickets, Omicron was not a thing.
1: Nope. We only had to deal with Delta. Exactly right. The good old days of Delta. The good old
0: days of Delta. Remember how scary it was? Omicron's here to beat the shit out of it. (laughs) So uh, there's a quick, like, seven hour train ride from Kansas City to Chicago. So that's (laughs) how a lot of people get there. Uh Well, I mean, really, when you think about how long it takes to, like, Go to a fucking airplane. Airport. Airport, lobby. (laughs) Were you almost going to say airplane house? (laughs) Let's be real. Sometimes we're high. Okay. Or sometimes we've had too much Space Camper IPA from Boulevard Brewing Company. A delicious beer to accompany any other buzz you may or may not have. Make the
1: holidays bright with Space Camper IPA from Boulevard Brewing Company. I'll be bringing it to my family parties. Uh, me as well. Cheers. I want a bullet train It sends, sends me to Chicago in under a minute.
0: That would be amazing. Yeah. Have you seen videos of bullet train stations when y- they like fly through them? Yes, they're insane. It makes me want to barf.
1: It, it's like the people inside there will be scrambled eggs by the
0: time that this train is done. That's what it looks like. Uh, you know, you imagine this thing, like if it hit a rabbit or something on the track somewhere, it seems like it would fly into outer space. <laughs> like it's going so fast that like the slightest thing touching it mm-hmm. would knock it out of our atmosphere.
1: You would think like even like a strong gust of a
0: wind. Yeah. They would so they kind of freak me out. Yeah. I don't it would know probably be they're... those things where I don't wouldn't take it unless I like had to. But... Right. Gun to your head. Yeah. Get on the bullet trail. Well, maybe not gun to my head, but knife to your throat. Yeah, knife to my throat is a better comparison. <laughs> number two. Uh, okay, so, well, no, I do want to cover oh, safety. sorry, number one. Sorry, number one. Uh, so number zero, travel, for, uh, specific to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> number one, safety. Felt very safe on the convention floor. They really enforced that everyone needed to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, having to, like, download the Clear app before you go yeah, and yeah. upload your vaccine information mm-hmm. and booster information to prove you were vaxxed to even get in um, was fantastic. You got a little bracelet thing. Oh, cool! that you like showed that when you, you walked were in, that showed you were vaxxed. So you only had to like prove it once, and you were good for the weekend. Sweet. So all in all, you know, even though you could say uh, it's easy for a person to get around this way, that way, or the other, mm-hmm. it's way more than any event or convention or anything I've been to in the last two years has done. So. All things considered, I felt very safe there. Good. And I hope more conventions do that moving forward. So something to think about if you're feeling sketchy about uh, being in a place with so many people. Number two, mm-hmm. the vibe. Oh, vibe check. Vibe check. Vibe was off. Uh-oh. How so? The comic book audience, the shops that were there felt way more... Um, Bitcoin, bro, and like oh high end collectibles, oh. comics that were like maybe a thousand dollars overpriced, two thousand dollars overpriced, fucking hell. Um, and just like slabs everywhere. Oh, it, okay. it was like people would show up with booths that were like just a thousand dollar and up comics, and it certainly felt way more like bro culture. Yeah, and I and. When you think about it, that's kind of like a shift we just saw even online. Mm -hmm. The things that are specking and the collecting industry and how backed up CGC is, is just all relating back to this weird thing that happened while people were at home and bored during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we came out the other side really commodifying collectibles and not enjoying them for the hobby as much
1: it is, yeah, it's it seems almost predatory of non fans eyeing a potential for profit and like swooping in and getting these spec books slabbed. Yeah. And then kind of monopolizing the secondary market uh-huh. with prices. And yeah. it kind of happened really quick. huh Like it snowballed kind of out of control yep. very quickly. And I hope we see
0: a bubble with that kind of lifestyle and atmosphere it'll be interesting to see i part of me is just like i don't get how short boxed survives yeah like everything's so overpriced and not normalized on there when you went to their booth at um c2e2 C2E2, Uh there was like several guys walking around like with short box shirts and it felt like an apple store where they were trying to do this like boutique thing And it was like, well, I can ring you up right here with my iPad uh, for this, like, $6,000 Moon Knight first appearance that's, like, in bad shape. (laughs) And the the whole thing just felt catered to a fan that I'm like, this person didn't exist two years ago. No,
1: not even, like, a year and a half ago. Yeah,
0: And, like, those booths cost
1: money Mm -hmm. to rent at C2E2. Yeah. And... You're not gonna make enough to like return in five years because yeah. I'm I Johnny Nobody off the street isn't gonna go to short boxed and buy a slab that's a grand overpriced. I'm I, gonna be in the twenty five cent bin. Yeah, looking for fun weird comics. Totally. Uh, number three mm-hmm.
0: publishers. We're making a meal out of this. We're only at number three publishers. So publishers that were in attendance or really made a show. Mm-hmm. Aftershock source point press and awa okay this was a weak year for publishers mm-hmm. by far and away aftershock was the biggest publisher there wow i went up and talked to them about it um and they were like we think it's wild too they were like this happens at a lot more conventions than you'd think lately um he was like a couple years ago, even before the pandemic, there was one year where Marvel and DC both skipped and we were easily the biggest publisher here. That is wild. So they had like an okay booth and they did that thing where they sell metal covers that are like Mm -hmm. $75 a pop and very high end. um, And then a handful of trades and other issues of their books, like variants that are like a little overpriced. But you can chat with, people and i did that were like you know it's it's fun sometimes that the people they send to the conventions to just like work the booth and talk to you Mm -hmm. are actual uh, maybe not high ups Mm -hmm. but people who hold important jobs at the uh, publisher and can really talk the talk and know their stuff so it was interesting to kind of chat up this guy from from aftershock i'm glad that they're at least keeping that alive because it's always fun to check those booths and get like a weird thing that you can only get at conventions or something like that Mm -hmm. source points booth felt way more like here's a handful of trades and there's a couple creators hanging around that are like hey let me tell you about my book yeah and they're trying to like pitch to you as you walk by Uh. their booth wasn't fun it looked cool it definitely like drew your eye but once you made it over there there wasn't a lot to buy there wasn't a lot of like fun to be had And then AWA, those people are very chatty and they're very excited and they think they're, you know, the fastest growing publisher. (laughs) I I I say that because, you know, you know, they they said I was just talking to them about their 2021 and their 2022. And they they said that they were the fastest growing publisher. And I was like, I don't know if I believe that. But yeah, off of what if you if you believe that and that's your goal, like great. And they're trying to be at conventions and do the thing and talk to more people, it seems like. So that's good. I'm glad they made it out. Um, It just sucked that there's a lot bigger publishers that just weren't there. And I think that's maybe a trend moving forward with publishers having their own big events Mm -hmm. or their online events where they do a bunch of announcements instead of parsing it out and doing it at cons throughout con season. But we'll see. It was... Yeah, uh, props to those publishers who did show up and tried to like make it fun, but ultimately fell flat um, from for publishers. Okay, number four, shopping. Very weak.
1: I can imagine that
0: a lot of people showed up for booth space. Yeah, so the booth space a couple years ago was fantastic. Yeah, oh and yeah. This time around, it was kind of a lot of just the gadgets and bullshit that you see at every convention, mm. like... All seems like stuff they mass ordered on Amazon. Oh, for sure, and then upcharged you another ten dollars because mm-hmm. you're buying it at a convention, right? So not a good showing from like local artisans and oh, okay, and some of those more interesting booths that sell like weird bootleg movies and like hard mm-hmm. to find things. That was that was definitely missing from the convention this year. My number five prices. Well, I can probably imagine they're up extremely. Yeah. I was very disappointed. Um, There are certain things that you're like, okay, I'm going to a convention. like I'm going to keep my eye out for a couple books. Uh And then you start seeing things that you have and you know like they should be charging $20 for that, but it's like $150. Good Lord. And so it definitely felt like we're either taking advantage of people or people don't understand Mm -hmm. what the deal is with comic books or we're coming in trying to get a quick buck and making you feel like you got a bargain when you ask for like half off. You know, I'll give it to you a half off if you buy it right now. It's yeah. like, well, you're still overpaying by yeah. $80. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just kind of the vibe and it, and it relates back to kind of like my point too that it just felt like clout chasing. Yeah, like totally. The, the collecting world and a lot of the pricing kind of represented that too.
1: Well I think it's just like all those apps that we've praised like uh, Comics Collector and CLZ and all that about how they've made it easier to find books yeah, and for your collection. Well, we didn't see the bad side of that, of people who are selling books also have this app and can now price up their books uh, accordingly because they also get the hot 10 list and yeah. know
0: what book you're looking for. Um, exclusives? Too expensive and not enough of them. For I'm,
1: like C2E2 exclusively?
0: Yeah. What I mean by that is a lot of times you go and publishers have a thing that's like you only get this cover at C2E2 Uh or C2E2 themselves or ReadPop, the company that puts it on, does exclusive things for the event that they only sell. And then you have different artists and creators who make their own kind of exclusive items that you can only get from them from this one convention. They do very limited runs of things and that's a good way for them to just make sure they're going to make the trip worth their while. Mm Mm-hmm. So a couple of the exclusives that we did see it's from Reed Pop, we bought a C2E2 Christmas ornament that was like the size of a half dollar and it was ten dollars. Good
1: lord, what the hell? But
0: Becky just wanted like my wife just wanted a souvenir. Sure, yeah. So she she we got it. We got it. Yeah. And it was like gee, when they handed it to us and it was like this little plastic tiny thing. I was uh. like Jesus, this is the thing that's in this picture for ten dollars. <laughs> so that sucked. <laughs> You're like,
1: no, I wanted the ten dollar one. I don't know what this is.
0: Yeah. And then there were a handful of, like, covers that they said were exclusives. And then when you get up there and actually buy them and you flip them over on the back, it's like, read, pop, New York City Comic Con. So it was kind of like they hadn't sold certain exclusives. Oh, my God. And so they were repurposing a handful of them. Right. Um, So they weren't exciting or necessarily hard to get. They just seemed like leftovers from other conventions they've done recently. That's lame. Yeah, very. When we went... A couple years ago, Marvel did three exclusive covers, one of which was that one of three thousand Wolverine Wolverine cover cover Uh that sells for like four hundred dollars now, right? If you have it in mint condition and stuff like that is awesome. And there just there was not that this year. Even like the smaller publishers, like I noted, um, AfterShock had stuff that you could go on their website and buy, um, just as well. So that was lacking this year for sure. There definitely weren't any, like, panels that you would go to and, like, get mm-hmm. a comic book here or there. Sometimes there's publishers like so wait, Valiant. That... Valiant didn't go this year? No, nope, Valiant was not there. Whoa. If Valiant was there, they easily would have been the largest publisher, but they were not. Wow. Yep. Um, And then the artists themselves, there were a handful of creator exclusives to the convention, mm-hmm. and those are great, and you're supporting the creator, but Jenny Frizzin does some prints and oh, posters yeah. and her poster was like she had a high end one for 250 dollars i think mm-hmm. and then a low end one for 180 or something right and that was just too rich for my blood to they were huge
1: the prints were gigantic i
0: mean yeah it was like a full size like movie poster yeah and it was like of wonder woman right of wonder woman yeah and like they had like a foil sheen to them whatever the one was incredible i yeah. mean they were high end screen printed posters right um, but they were they were very expensive. And even someone who, like me, who is a super fan, 250 bucks for a poster that I'm like, it's of a comic book character. So where am my house? Yeah. I'm going to put like a poster of Wonder Woman. If I had a bachelor pad, I might do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, Wonder Woman. I love her. It's like Jenny Frizen. So it's not like an over sexualized gross poster, Mm -hmm. but even still, you put that up in your house (laughs) and you have a girl over, do you think they're going to be like, ew. This is a work of art. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you have like a little boy, a babe poster up and you're a grown ass man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's for your like nerd cave.
0: Yeah, totally. But in any case, wish there was more. That's one of the funnest things about going to a convention and and it certainly lacked. Um, Okay, celebrities is my next item. Two great ones. Everyone else, who cares? There was Hayden Christensen. Neat. And he's going into a new Star Wars series that Disney's going to do. Obi-Wan. So very exciting, and he's more relevant than he's been in a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. So fun for him to be there. And then John Cena. The big joke on the convention floor was people, anytime someone mentioned John Cena or they were there to see him or they couldn't wait to meet him, someone would be like, oh, you haven't heard, you can't see him. <laughs> That's funny. And people would be like, oh, it's canceled. And then they'd say, no, I can't see him, and do the wave in front of their face thing. And you're like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> old wrestling joke.
1: Yeah, okay. But can we still see him? is the line still i heard it
0: happen so many times and i was just like i feel so bad for people (laughs) (laughs) so easily duped i know it's it was funny the first time and then the rest of the times it was just like oh my god he's yeah he's gonna be here (laughs) you'll be able to meet him and then the rest of the people were like normal when you have all these like people who do cartoon character voices and shit like that like not anything you and I no. care about.
1: The rise of anime voice actors and like cartoon voice actors uh, is really an astonishing thing I've seen happen over the con. Yeah, my con experiences over the years. Well,
0: and anime just gets more and more popular. Yeah, and people just don't have any other touch points of like, I don't have. If it's just a TV show, mm-hmm. I don't have many things to collect for it. Right. I don't have many people I can actually meet for it. Right. The voice actors are like the closest you can get you to You wonder when
1: like Reed Pop or Chicago will be like we need to do two. Yeah. Because that's double the money. Right. We need to do an anime con and a comic con. They should.
0: Uh, because I, we want your money <laughs> and you'll go to both. It's also if you're not a crossover of those audiences mm-hmm. then yeah get rid of all the like this huge amount of the showroom floor that I'm not interested in. Right. You know what I mean? hmm Clean up the experience for the fandom. Uh, panels, really bad. Really, really bad this well, year. Well, yeah, when you said that, like,
1: all the publishers basically didn't show up.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a big thing, like... Part of why you go is to hear like what's coming with like the next events Mm -hmm. and to hear from creators who are writing big comics right now. Right. Like those are the people I want to hear talk. So Mm -hmm. the the best panels for comic book fans this past weekend were like a discussion with Chris Claremont and a discussion with Rob Liefeld. And you're talking to people who have probably had the same panel discussion for the last decade. Mm -hmm. And they get asked the same dumb questions about – their favorite character or yeah. why they made the de- decision about Wolverine or Deadpool. And I don't know for me, it's like, I can only go to those so many times and the, God bless those people. And it's like fun to meet, like to like be in the same room with uh-huh. like a comic book legend. Sure. But at some point they don't have much new to say. And I want to hear things announced. I want to know about comics going on right now. There, yeah. there was not that. this Cause year. they don't. No, no, this, they, their job is charging for autographs. Yeah,
1: they're riding the wave of their comic
0: books yeah.
1: from 20 years ago. Right. Which, uh, that's a good hustle if you can get it, but I'm not going to spend an hour and a half listening to you rehash things
0: I've heard before. But, you know, maybe there's just enough people who's like, this is my first chance to meet the guy, so I'm going to go to it. and It was like a life-changing thing for me. Like, so... No no diss on them. It's awesome that they do it. Right. Like, good on those creators for, like, taking the time to do the panels and stuff like that. You
1: know what's crazy? And this will bleed into our Spider-Man conversation. Uh, At the Spider-Man premiere, Rob Liefeld went. And there was was a
0: picture on the Twitter of just, like,
1: Rob Liefeld's here. And everyone in the comments was just like, who? Like, who (laughs) is this? Uh And, like, I, I was just like, there's no way. People don't know who Rob Liefelt like. Yeah. And then, like, it was like this wave of realization kind of like swept over me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm living in the world where, like, I'm mainly comics and I know all these creators. You're so close to the thing. And And then, like, I'm seeing the people who just know movie Spider Man. Right. And it is so alarming the disconnect between the two. Yeah. And so it was kind of a weird moment for me where I was just like, holy shit, like, yeah. they don't know who this man is.
0: <laughs> we'll get that. I have a t- related takes. Cool. For our Spider-Man coverage cool, cool. later. The attendees. Um, I wrote down in my notes, <laughs> thirsty weirdos. I heard so many people going up to creators being like, you remember me? Oh, uh, do you want to get like dinner later? Oh, my God. You know, I I have your uh, phone number still from last time you were in town, but, you know, I don't want to abuse it. Uh, Let me know if that's okay to use. No way. I heard shit like that all day long. Part of it was because we went on Friday, and it was just, like, a slower day. So, Uh like, all, like, the uber, uber comic book fans are out and took off work, but more of the casual people who are just there for pop culture and shit are going to come on Saturday. So, a lot of... A lot of weirdos.
1: <laughs> Do you remember me? Shudder.
0: <laughs> Why would you even give up your phone number? Let's have a very personal uh, conversation and uh, intentional meetup, because <laughs> last year we like ran into each other at a bar and had a halfway decent conversation. <laughs> you bailed on me. Do you want to go to phone ruckers? Like now I made it really weird. Uh, so another part of the attendees was um, cosplay, mm-hmm. which I want to mention. C2E2 cosplay is like, phenomenal. And if you're like us in a city that's, like, big but not Chicago big. Right. Um, Chicago light. Yeah. <laughs> Guy in Chicago. Then you're not going to see cosplay, like, near mm-hmm. what you're going to get at, like, a 2 light like convention. So there's so much fun to go to. <laughs> you're going to get a girl trotting around in the thong calling herself Cammy. As soon as we walked in, there was a Cami cosplay. <laughs> and Becky was like, what the fuck <laughs> is that girl wearing? <laughs> And she was like, a girl just walked by with a string up her ass. Uh, yeah, you go, <laughs> and baby. That's Cammy. In my head, I was like, probably Cammy, or like, <laughs> I was trying to think of other characters that with strings up their like, ass, like Vampirella cosplay yeah. or something like that. Well, and it was Cammy.
1: <laughs> it's awesome that like people are so comfortable with themselves they're just like i'm doing cami i don't
0: give a shit and let me tell you it was fucking freezing (laughs) it was awful that weekend temperature wise and it was raining Uh and it was cold all weekend (laughs) it sucked yeah and people are still coming in in like thongs but props to you for devotion so like they the App was sending out alerts that was like, stop coming to the cosplay panel. Like, it's full. Oh, no. Or like, the cosplay after-party event is at capacity. Like, stop coming. And I was like, that's cool as shit mm-hmm. that that community still came out like so hard. Right. Um, I didn't see like near as much cosplay as we'd normally see mm-hmm. on the C2E2 floor. Mm-hmm. But it was even still compa- in comparison... Send to what we get in Kansas City. It was phenomenal. So I had fun with the cosplay, but not the full force as usual.
1: As yeah, we saw like two years ago.
0: Um. Okay. Food eat somewhere else. So that's another thing to I think pay attention for is that sometimes these big conventions have fun places to like stop and get a decent bite of food. Yeah. But when they're pared down because of the pandemic, phoning it in. Yeah, phoning it in. Fuck it. I'll. Let the cheap buck people thrive. That's why I always throw a couple granola bars in my backpack. That's the way to go. Yeah. Get a cliff bar. All right. Artist Alley. Best part of C2E2. Oh, surprise. A lot of great creators out. Yeah. A lot of autographs to be had.
1: Yep. You got me a a cool one for my Radiant Black.
0: Yes. Kyle Higgins signed your Radiant Black. And if you don't know this, the first issue A cover, Mm -hmm. and I believe like the third printing of the. First issue, Mm -hmm. Kyle Higgins does secret signatures for, which I didn't know. Right. But he gets out a lot of invisible ink pins. Which is crazy cool. Yeah. And he has like a a stamp pad filled with invisible ink. And he (laughs) presses the logo on the covers and then draws a bunch of little shit and remarks and quotes and things. Mm -hmm. When you put them under a UV light, you can see all these cool secret signatures. But if you look at your comic book in normal lighting... It looks like it hasn't even been signed, touched, anything. So I think a really fun thing, if you have those books and you find him at a con, like definitely seek him out and um, he'll prompt you about that. That was like the coolest thing of the convention was watching him do those on those couple covers. So I loved that. Um, The ladies were out in full force. Jenny Frizen was there. Huge line. She was always busy. I feel like her lines is going to be massive-
1: from here on out, she's such an iconic cover artist. Cover artist now, are,
0: and those are the people that I think have the larger fandom or fan base, right? Are our cover artists? Um, Joelle Jones, mm-hmm. she was a little hard to find, but also someone who had like a lot of people around her, kind of difficult to access throughout the convention, so she was a popular person there too. Mm-hmm. Mirka and Dolfo, yeah, very particular schedule. This was something weird that I hadn't really seen before where she had times of day that it was just like, I'm only doing sketching. So if you want a blank cover or um, something sketched on something, I'll do it. But I'm not going to sign autographs on comic books right now.
1: I kind of like that, though. Like, she set up her schedule. Like She's like, if you want me to be
0: efficient and get shit done, this is how I'm doing it. Well, it does help, I think, for, especially when you have, like, long Like, one thing I hate is when I'm in a long line and the person in, like, Two people in front of me pulls out their sketchbook and they're like, hey, could you do a Lady Purgatory like Mm. sketch in my sketchbook? And they're like, sure. And just like stop for 30 minutes and start fucking drawing. And you're just like, God damn it. I want one comic book sign, and I got to sit and wait for that. should have got a pretzel. Like you're doing it right now. Like that's crazy. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, Um, that is cool. But I walked, but that's the other thing with C two E two is that it's so big and so busy mm-hmm. that it was just like, okay, realistically, I'm realizing this is the only time I'm going to walk past you. So I got something sketched by her mm-hmm. instead of getting my comics signed. That oh I nice. So um, it was cool to get something sketched, but I would have rather like had spent a fraction of that and just had like an autograph or two. Yeah. Was she <laughs> charging for autographs? Um, beyond one book. Oh, cool. Okay. She had like a little menu up. And, th- and that oh. seemed like a big thing for people was that I'll sign one or two books for free. Yeah. And then the rest of them I charge like five bucks a pop. I love the menu option.
1: Like have yeah. it out in front of your table. That way it saves you from talking to people yeah. and it saves people from asking you dumbass ass questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Stephanie Phillips and Stephanie Williams were both really cool. Mm. Both writers at DC. Yeah. And they were, I think Stephanie Phillips had like a two free books rule. Oh, cool. Nice. And then charged. And then Stephanie Williams just signed for free unless you were doing CGC. Yeah. And then she would charge you like 10 bucks for an autograph or something. Nice. But they were both so cool, so laid back, really awesome, like down to earth people that were just like down to chat with you. Yeah. Um, Stephanie Phillips' line was like definitely a little longer. Mm -hmm. So she was a little harder to like stop and bullshit with. But you could tell she was like- hamming it up with some people and and having a good time so she was cool uh kyle higgins and ryan perot like we mentioned your radiant black they sat next to each other because they worked on power Rangers Power rangers yeah these guys are total broskies oh no yeah i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing to you it may be some people are just like oh yeah hell yeah these guys are bros great um that's fine uh-huh. but for me I was kind of like oh man <laughs> I wish you were more nerdy they had these dudes run up to them beforehand and we were like waiting in line and these couple guys came up and they were like yo bro what's up are we gonna like throw down later and <laughs> and those two guys were like oh hell yeah dude and we're like dapping up these <laughs> oh my God. these like nerd comic book bros and everything they said they were like screaming it. And these guys were like, I want everyone to know I'm friends with Kyle Higgins and Ryan Perot And made, like, a big show. And they talked for, like, ten minutes. And I'm just standing in this line, like, fucking, let's go. Like, <laughs> Come on now, do guys. Do I need to, like, watch you guys, like, completely bro out for ten minutes? Like, again, like, I just want a few comics signed and I'll be on my merry way. So they were just, that interaction was a little weird. But still, yeah. he did, like, the... Um, full-blown sketches on your comics. Yeah, which is crazy. So, and one day I hope to see them. I know. I need I, to find a blacklight. apparently. I tried to Google a, a picture of it, and I couldn't even find one. So um, very cool. Those guys charge for sure. So they're like five bucks a book or something. Mm, all right. So they're, they're higher end hoity-toity. They must be getting way more sought after.
1: Well, I think Radiant Black is definitely getting some... Heat behind it, so they're riding that wave.
0: And yeah, and it definitely seems like there's tons more Power Rangers fans than I expected. Mm-hmm. Daniel Moore Johnson, oh, is so cool. DWJ, and he, I, I, he had like little sketchbooks and mini comics and things. Yeah, and I was like, I'll pick up this one, and he was like, Oh, cool. and He signed it and did a little sketch in it and handed it to me, and I was like, Well, what do I owe you? And he was like, Ah, they donate. <laughs> he's like, Nothing. He's like, Yeah, nothing. These are free. And I was like, "Do you take like donations?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, sometimes." And I he was seems like, like a savant. Oh my god, you're so fucking cool! Like he he's always awesome. drawing. Yeah, right. And he's like phenomenal. Yeah,
1: he's like his own different style and everything. You can tell he worked super hard to yep. get his style. He
0: had a, he had this really cool poster of all his characters that he was selling there. Oh, sick! That was awesome. Nice. Um And then I'll just mention really quick at the end here, Chris Claremont and Bob McClode (laughs) of New Mutants fame. Mm -hmm. They were the big draw for me. Chris Claremont is somehow the sweetest but also most resentful person you'll ever meet. (laughs) And so it was just cool. Like he would just sit and talk forever to people. Again, that's another reason why his line moved like really slow. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just so cool. To hear him talk about, like, the process of writing X-Men and why he decided to do this or that with Sabretooth and blah, blah, blah. But every half minute or so, he would be like, but then so-and-so ruined it. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he's, like, so resentful. And he kind of said to me, like, I kind of, like, chuckled. And he was just like, I don't know. He's like, I'm too protective over the characters I created and even some of those that I didn't, but like kind of defined. And I was like, well, that makes sense. You established so much of the canon. They kind of probably feel like your kids to some extent. Mm -hmm. But I was like, he goes, thank you. But I also like, yeah, I also like love other stuff and they got to keep writing comics. So he seemed to like, appreciate the conversation. He was very like open to hearing things and talking to people, but could also be like on edge at a moment's notice. Yeah. I asked him to remark the comic or sign it with a quote from Cannonball. Mm-hmm. So if you read New Mutants, in the first like 50 issues, every issue Cannonball says, I'm nigh invulnerable when I'm blasting. And I was like, could you write that Cannonball quote, that I'm nigh invincible one? And he was like, Cannonball doesn't say that. <laughs> and I was like, the, oh, the I, I'm nigh invincible when I'm blasting. Like one that's like in most of the issues and he was like, that's not in here. And he opens the book and like thumbs through it and he's like, no, that wasn't in there. Oh God. And I was like, you didn't even look at the word bubbles. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I didn't (laughs) write that. And I was like, I was like, hey man, don't worry about it. Yeah. I was like, I, it was just a weird question and thought I'd see if you would like write a quote on it or something. Not a big deal. Totally fine with just a signature. And he was like, uh, Cannonball would say I love Leela <laughs> And then he writes that on the comic and does a little word bubble around it. And I'm like, I'm stoked to have it. Yeah. But at the same time I'm like, What was this interaction we just had?
1: He wants he wants it to be forgotten that he ever wrote
0: I'm nigh invincible when I'm blasting I like and I don't know if there's like he like famously doesn't like writing that for some reason, but I was like, I know you know it's a thing. <laughs> I don't write that. No, it was a different. Chris, uh, Chris Claremont it wasn't me. <laughs> so I don't know. It was a. It was kind of a bizarre interaction, but at the same time, I was like, it was cool to interact with him. Period. Yeah. And we talked about like Leela and what ended up with Cannibal's relationships and stuff like that. And a couple yeah. other people in line chimed in, and they were like, "Oh, he's married to such and such now from Shire space." And they were all <sighs> like, "And he was like, oh, god.'" <laughs> <laughs> He flips his table over and All leaves. Right. He's like, fuck this. So that was funny, but at the same time, um, really cool. And Bob McLeod did a cannonball sketch on the cover for me. So, nice. Um, overall, great experience. Yeah.
1: Those dudes seem like, like the Statler
0: and Waldorf, like the yeah. two
1: old Muppets of the comic book oh world. Oh, my God,
0: totally. You're totally right. Um, C2E2, I'd say, worth it just for Artist Alley, even on a year where like the comings and goings were a little depressed yeah um not like if i knew about what it was going to be like would i have still traveled to get there probably not Um, oh okay but it was fun to get out of town and it was like good timing for my wife and i because we were kind of cooped up but yeah um still i don't know we'll see on this next one i would say kind of wait it out and see who's going to be there maybe before buying your three-day pass Because I think you're going to be entertained for one day tops. Yeah. Definitely, this convention, I cannot imagine going back a second day.
1: Especially with what you just described. That's definitely a one-day affair. Totally. And if you're traveling from out of town to go there, that can seem like a letdown. Right. So, I'm definitely going to be looking at the guest list for August's uh, C2E2. Totally. And hopefully... Rose Bash does show up this time.
0: I know. (laughs) She said she was there. Couldn't Couldn't, find her. Couldn't find you, Rose. You weren't listed as a guest. I did not see you as a guest. You were hidden behind probably a pillar. Could have been. Which, shame on C2E2. I think there's a couple things like that where they were like, there were huge creators or other things that like, they didn't put on the website until way late. But I saw those creators like post on social that they were going two or three months ago. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're just like, if you knew what you were doing and you really wanted people to come, you would promote this stuff. Yeah. You would know that Rose Besh is a huge name in comics right now. Yeah, a
1: huge up-and-coming name for sure. Like, she is
0: trending hot, hot, hot. And I didn't see her in Artist Alley. Yeah. And she wasn't listed on the site. Like, fix that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Hire us. No, don't hire us. We, We established. To me, I feel like if there's people in Chicago who are just, like, casual comic fans... Someone like Rose Besh being there might be the thing that pushes them over the edge to actually attend. Yeah. She's that kind of artist and was, like, not shown any love by the convention at all. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about Batgirls?
1: Yes. Lead right into Batgirls by Becky Cloonan. It is a new number one. Yeah. Of course, because we're covering it. Uh, I would label this a teen book. For sure. It followed Spoiler. And Batgirl, yep, and Oracle, and Oracle. They had to move into a new building because, um, like their identities had been found out by a new villain from like the Future State storyline.
0: Yeah, during Fear State. Fear State. Sorry, we found out there was this character named the Seer. Yes, who is like a. Is out oracling the oracle, the oracle (laughs) being like a super hacker. Yeah. So they are going off grid, Mm -hmm. moving to a slummier part of Gotham and trying to hide out so they can fight crime and figure out who's watching them while not being watched. So uh, that new character is kind of fun. We didn't get Mm -hmm. much of them. No. But some of the dialogue surrounding that person and their philosophy and they enjoy watching just. To see the effects it takes on yeah, other people, like yeah. they, they were like the observer effect is so interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I love the first few pages where they go into the observer effect and like what it means and like the whole like if a tree falls in a woods, does anybody does it make a sound or yep. anything like that? And that philosophy like put upon a person and like how they uh-huh. interact with the world is like very intriguing going forward. Totally, and I love the relationship between the two girls and the Oracle. Oracle's yep. kind of like a Big sister slash fun aunt. Yep. And like
0: basically making sure the girls don't get killed. For those two, it was like moving out for the first time. They right. got this like weird flat in a grimy part of uh-huh. Gotham and we're sleeping in bunk beds. And right. Sneaking out at night to fight crime and Oracle's like, you guys shouldn't be going out. Yeah. Don't go out without telling me. It's 2 a.m. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it definitely does kind of read like a teen book, which is fun. Um, But at the same time, it's got tons of tie-ins directly to the mainline Batman story, and I think these books are going to be fun while we've got Batman overseas Mm -hmm. in the mainline story arc. Right. So if you want to know what's up in Gotham and some of the more fun street-level stuff, cleanup of the magistrate we know is going to be part of this Batgirls book. Right. There's like this cool little sub-team called the Saints, who are like Simon Saint true believers. Uh Uh-huh. And are trying to keep the magistrate living on even though Batman kinda kicked their asses and took them down during yeah. Fear State. Right. So that's kind of the story arc is they're gonna do some cleanup on Fear State repercussions. Yeah. So it, very fun. fun.
1: The energy was high. The artwork was very energetic and yes. like bright. So it should be uh like a fun read. Yes. I don't expect anything heavy from this or Agreed. groundbreaking, but For a fun book for, like, a new reader or someone who's looking to get into Batman. Right. Who's, like, a teen.
0: This is a great book for that. Agree. And the covers are super fun. Oh, the in Yuck Lee. He did two covers. He did a masked one and an unmasked one. He nails it out of the park every single time. Yeah.
1: So, um, uh, all-around
0: enjoyable read. I'm going to keep reading it just because it's an easy, fun read, and it has – and it it just kind of, like, ties up for your state, so – um, well,
1: we talked about how the Bat books are going through a little bit of a renaissance now. Just like Gotham is, we're taking a breather, you know. Better, yeah. Like we're we're kind of in a new era of Gotham right now. Like it's which lets the book books be more fun and less
0: dark and yeah, yeah. Crazy. Like
1: Bane's not keeping people captive, and you know, Scarecrow's not filling people's lungs with fear toxin. Yeah. Like characters aren't dealing with other main characters dying. No, it's like fun street level like. Vigilante Chains. stuff. Yep. It's great. Yep. And so I think this is going to follow that same kind of through line. Yep. And um, just like you, I'm excited for it. Yep. It should be a good time. Hell yeah. So that was uh, a quick and dirty Batgirls. Recommend. It was the book of the week. Easy. Yeah, totally.
0: Not a lot of other uh, first issue options out nope. there this past week,
1: which is the uh, bad part about December. Yeah. Slow week. It's the trash Slow month. Slow month for comics. Yeah. Yep. So, and now let's get into it. Spider-Man. No Way Home came out on Thursday. It has been the talk of the town. Uh, this is your warning. Yeah, you this is your- don't want to hear
0: about it if you haven't seen it yet. This is your one and only. Shut off the podcast now. And we'll see you uh, essentially in the new year. I'm trying to think of who's that site. There's a sighting guy in Kansas City. Bob Hamilton. You oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Call now. <laughs> Call now. <laughs> <laughs> so turn off the pod now. All right. Let's go. Spoilers about... Spoilers about... Let's say first impression. Of What's a-, a grade? Give it a grade. Letter grade.
1: Um, I'm going to go with... It's in the A range. Sure. I want to say... A minus.
0: Okay. Same boat here. Yeah. For me... I think a lot of that has to do with how much the movie was hyped and how much I already knew what was gonna happen.
1: Yeah, like when the other Spider-Man showed up. Yes. I was like, yeah, I know.
0: Yep, it was definitely <laughs> like a moment for sure. And then when you realize it's like, oh, this is how they're doing it, like that was cool. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, I've just been waiting. Exactly. And being like, let's get, like, I know it's gonna happen. Let's fucking go get these other Spider-Men in here.
1: And that's what really, like, kind of distracted you and took you out of it. Yes. You're just like, I know they're going to show up. Just like,
0: when? Like, can we just get to that, please? Once it happened, that's when the movie really thrived. Yeah. The first act was necessary,
1: but kind of just bogged down with, Mm -hmm. like, the intention of Spider-Men are coming.
0: Yes, right.
1: And I was surprised.
0: That- had we not known, had all of oh, this been okay, yeah. kept spoiler free. I would have lost my goddamn mind. It would have been the perfect movie. Like the pacing of like the first reveal, the and then the, the reveal starts snowballing of all the characters that are going to be in it. Yeah. So much got out that they, were, they just started putting the Sinister Six yeah. in commercials. Yeah. And I think the reveal was really just for, at this point, People who just casually follow movies.
1: Yeah, this is for my mom. Yeah, right. Like, who will see this
0: and go, Oh, is that Tobey Maguire? I was like, Al- Yes, mom. Also, one of the things about this movie going experience was like, you could hear boyfriends explaining oh, my who God. was what from what, like all over the theater. Yeah. And I was just like, Bro, just stop mansplaining <laughs> M- movies in general. Just anything about this stupid movie. I'm like, your girlfriend who came as a courtesy like doesn't care what movie Doc Ock was from. Like,
1: Also, there's enough context in the movie of who these people are. Right,
0: yeah. And where they're from.
1: Also, I went to a 6.30 showing. Yeah. Too many kids. Yeah. Too many kids under seven. Okay. not Don't do that. Go to a matinee if you're going to do that.
0: Yeah. At all. I... Had an awful experience, and I think this might be the last time I go to a movie theater. It was so bad. Yeah, people just forgot how to fucking act in public. So the movie itself,
1: while got an it got an A minus from me. Uh Still a really high grade. Very high grade. There was some bits of it where I'm just like, do we need this moment? Like Uh there, it didn't seem long. It was like two and a half hours long. It was two and a half hours. To me, it felt long. It did? Really? Yeah. Like, there were a few parts where I was just like, we could have done without this. Like, this did nothing. Like, Uh the entire first act, I was like, this could have been 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, where they're trying to get into college. Yes. Everyone knows Peter's identity. Yep. Like, that could have been chopped down Mm. real quick. Yep. And we could have got, like, because like you said, the movie really jumped off when Toby and Garfield showed up. Yep. And you're just like, okay, this is why we're here, Spider-Fun. Yeah.
0: And the interaction between those three was- Magic. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. Gold. And it was really cool as someone who, like, was in the age demographic for all those movies when they came out as they came out, Mm -hmm. like, having Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man be, like, the OG original Spider-Man with all the wisdom, Mm -hmm. and then- Andrew Garfield Spider-Man having like a quarter life crisis but like still has lived through it and had a lot of tragedy and then them being the older brothers to Andrew Garfield who is right at the age where he's just like Tom Holland oh sorry Tom Holland where he's trying to figure shit out Right, they were just the ages and the experiences were just like spaced and managed in like such a great way to like really teach a lesson and to like emphasize that in any spider-man timeline there's always going to be a death close to Mm spider-man that serves a purpose and he was trying to find purpose in huge spoiler aunt may's death yes they killed aunt may in this movie because aunt may is peter parker's uncle ben uncle ben figure in if we're assuming that the world we're in in the mcu is 616 Mm -hmm. then he's the 616's uh she's the 616's uncle ben right and so she gives him the um with great, great power great power great responsibility line instead of uncle ben and all this stuff so uh they did a great poetic threading of it which was fantastic yeah they did they gave andrew garfield a moment that was really cool where he mm-hmm. was able to save um MJ MJ, what? whatever her name is yeah. in this movie. Michelle, I think. And just like the way Gwen had died yeah. in the Andrew Garfield movies. Yeah. So he's kind of like redeemed himself and yeah. uh had this very emotional moment. There was and there were there were a handful of nods like that where yeah. it was like this character got resolution to something that's a nod to one of those older movies mm-hmm. that was like extra layers that they didn't have to yeah. do stuff for. For me, like there was a couple moments like that in the film that were, I felt like were supposed to be funny or they were nods to the history of the characters and like no one chuckled or no one was like, oh, like those kind of like opening week uh-huh. sort of reactions that you normally get weren't right. there. So right. some of those things I think were a little too coded or a little too lost on the crowd, but it's nice still to have moments in there for real heads. Real heads, I yeah. guess.
1: I I did like the uh continuing joke that Andrew Garfield was like the punching bag of the Spider Man mm-hmm. because in our <laughs> that sounds so stupid. In our world, that Spider Man movie did the weakest out yeah. of all of them. And right. like he's not hated, but he's like it's like universally known that like those aren't the best, yeah. Spider-Man movies.
0: Well, and that was a cool thing about this movie too is that it like it kind of redeemed those movies in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're they're probably going to be way more fun to revisit now. Yeah. And instead of like, and it's not Andrew Garfield's fault that those movies weren't no. great. No. I thought I thought he was a fantastic actor and still is. Yeah. And I I can't name a lot of stuff he's been in recently, but the fact that he got Uh, moment to like relive that character and be like, this is what it's like with different writers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is great. (laughs) That you're like, he's an amazing Spider-Man. He really is. He's a fantastic Peter Parker. Yeah. But they just like the way some of those movies unfolded that he was in, they just didn't do a great job of selling him as, as Peter Parker. So um, you're right. That was another thing that's kind of like a nested, uh, thing for yeah. huge fans. I
1: think uh, it was great. There was like a, a lot of the graffiti was Ditko's last name. Yeah. Which was a fun nod. Totally. Something I was shocked by, not a single Stan Lee reference. Right. That, at least that I caught. Which was like kind of baffling. Uh-huh. And I was, I was a little disappointed that Bruce Campbell didn't show up. Uh-huh. Because Bruce Campbell was in all of the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, yep. which was funny. Uh, I liked that Flash Gordon wrote a book called Flashpoint. Yep, that was which funny. I was the only one in the theater that laughed like, like that. Ha! Yeah, <laughs> seriously, like it was dead quiet except <laughs> for me going ha, <laughs> and, and uh, I I wasn't even embarrassed by that. I was, I was yeah. like, I know what that Call is in reference. reference to. Yep, and I thought, um, you know, the the story of uh, I, I don't know how much you want to go into the whole movie, but like, yeah. the ending of the movie uh-huh. was another big gripe for me.
0: Well, they found a way that yeah. I thought it was cool that they found a way to do the big Mephisto story mm-hmm. without doing something corny like Mephisto. Yeah. Like, if, and I don't know if it was handled like it was in the MCU, if it would have been better received than it was in the comics, mm-hmm. but Definitely like a movie going audience. If they tried to put Mephisto into this movie, they would have been like, what the fuck? But making it like a fun Doctor Strange thing and Mm -hmm. then getting like a second movie out of it where Doctor Strange gets to like try to prepare, repair and fix the multiverse. Deal with his comeuppance. Is like so much fun. Yeah. And I think Sony was just like, people loved Into the Spider-Verse, like why don't we do it in the MCU too? Yeah. Yeah. They they found a way to take tons of canon and make it accessible for a large audience. And to me, that was just really impressive.
1: It was very impressive how they did
0: that. Yeah. It was it was almost like they didn't need to make the nod to that storyline at all. No,
1: they really didn't. And they they did something that the Avengers didn't do. The Avengers tied up ten years of uh movies. What this movie did was tie up 25 years of (laughs) Spider-Man bullshit.
0: Yeah, really wild. In an almost perfect way. Well, there's another thing. They didn't have to acknowledge, like, Tobey Maguire's web coming right out of his wrist. That was such a funny moment in the movie. It was so funny. They were like, what? (laughs) It comes from you. Co-
1: and, what else does it come it, out of? Oh, my God. <laughs> Tom Holland is every one of us. Yeah. Because he asked the important question of, well, if it comes out of your wrist, yeah. does it come out of anywhere else on uh-huh. your body? Like, that is a, a debate that happens in comic book shops. Yeah. Right. Like, if you don't know what happens in a comic book yeah. shop, that right there is nerds debating. Well, like, does he like think about when he's making it, or just like does it just come out? Like, yeah. does he when he sneezes, does like webbing come out of his nose? It's like
0: <laughs> I've had those debates with nerds in yeah. a comic book shop, right? Oh, there's another moment that's like a really fun nod too. They set up this whole thing, and it just fell flat flat for in my theater. Okay, and I thought it was so funny, but they set up this thing with Ned throughout where he's yeah. like are there other Neds out there? Uh-huh. And he's so excited about the idea of other Neds, and he tries to poke and pry with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield uh-huh. to figure out who their Neds are. Yeah. And of course, those movies don't have Neds. They don't. And he's not a big part of the Spider-Man story or timeline. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to like find out that he's like a crucial member in this, and right. he really isn't. right? <laughs> and they talk about... He talks to Andrew Garfield about like, so do you have a best friend? And him referencing, um, who's the guy who played the Hobgoblin? Uh, I forget his name. James Franco. Yes. James Franco was Toby. Oh no, to Maguire. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Toby Maguire's. James Franco plays the Hobgoblin and he asked Toby Maguire like, so do you have like best friend back where you come from? Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he died in my arms after trying to kill me. And <laughs> Ned is like, oh shit, like, I just found out my destiny, and it is bad. Yeah. And then he makes an oath to Tom. I will never harm you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that, and then, oh, my God. And he's like, okay, cool. There are so many small <laughs> moments
1: where you're just like, as a Spider-Man fan, you go, yes, thank you for paying this off. Yeah. Like, these are the small moments that yep. make Spider-Man what he is. Yeah. Like, these small, zany, heartfelt moments yep. where you're just like, god damn it, he is one of us. Yep. It's just that he can swing from buildings. Yes. And uh, at the end of the movie, like, Dr. Strange does his forget spell. Yep. And
0: he is un- unknown by everyone. It, that it, moment, what did you think of the moment with MJ? They were like, they had a moment where he said goodbye to MJ and Ned. Yeah. Where he was like, I will come find you guys. Yeah. And then he goes to find them. Yeah. And then lets it lie. Uh, That's the point where I was upset
1: because it was a very poignant moment where he goes back to the donut shop and they don't they don't remember him. Yeah, and they're he's getting ready to pay and tell MJ the whole thing. Yep, and she pulls her hair back and she has a bandage from where she was injured during the fight, trying to help Spider Man when they all remember who they were. And he's like,
0: "I'm just gonna hurt you more."
1: Right, which is like you kind of get why he does what he does. Yep, but and me and Caitlin were talking about this in the car, and it was just like. She told you not to do that. Yeah. She said, no matter what, you need to tell me and yeah. come find me. Right. And that's where, like, the conflict where superheroes overstepping their boundaries comes uh, into play. Where it's just like, you're now controlling their narrative in narrative life. And life yeah. Because you went against exactly what they told you to do. Yep. You didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And now he is living in New York in a shitty apartment, like in the comic
0: books. So that was really fun for me too to be like they found a way mm-hmm. to make it so literal to the comics. Yes.
1: It was great. Uh-huh. I I that's the only the, anything after that part was phenomenal for me. Yeah. You get to see him in a
0: new suit, a handmade that's, suit. Yeah, and the handmade suit looks great. Yeah. I mean, it's still got like it's got like the, Hobby Lobby sort of materials on it. Uh-huh. But that look felt very Authentic. Like spectacular Spider-Man maybe. I'm trying to think of like – it felt specific to like a certain run of the 90s that was like – The blues were like popped. Yeah, right.
1: It was crazy. And I, I wish we got a better view
0: of it. You got it kind of while he was swinging or whatever. But so it's, it's almost like if you – this Spider-Man had like a lot of things go on prior to the other Spider-Man's origin stories. You know what I mean? And the way they like cleverly found this way – to like take all the Peter Parker stuff and we threw him right into Avengers and made him an Avenger right away as a teenager. Mm -hmm. So we never got to have those like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man sort of stories where he's about to go into college. He's a scientist. He's trying to figure out how to make money, really poor in his apartment, Um, all the DIY parts of Spider-Man that are fun. Like they got to do all that big hi-fi stuff and then find a way to be like, Giving him his Uncle Ben moment, yep, and then starting him into like normal Spider Man. It was like they gave him like a f- four or five movie origin story,
1: yeah, <laughs> truly. And like, I love how they gave him the ultimate suit, yep, and then took it all away, yeah, like he's bare bones now, yep. And that's it, it was that's why I mean it was a brilliant ending to this because absolutely no one knows who he is, uh-huh. he is on his own in his like normal Hobby Lobby Spider Man suit, yep just trying to fight crime. And Man. he has his GED book trying to graduate high school and work his way back up into college. Like, I think I read somewhere that Marvel's doing another trilogy with Tom Holland. Uh-huh. So we know we have more Spider-Man movies coming. And I think those are going to be very, very different yeah, than the Spider-Man movies that we got. Right. And I'm very excited for those going forward.
0: Totally. And I'll say they did really clever things to, like, tie up loose ends in... This arc where they like made the Tony Stark fabricating machine that could like build the Spider Man suit over and over again for him. Right. Like they made it integral to the solution of the movie mm-hmm. and then destroyed it yeah. in that process so he can't easily go back. No. And get like a crazy techno heavy yeah. Spider Man suit anymore. Yeah. And um,
1: yeah, I mean, th- there are so many things about this movie that were great. A few that were just, like, kind of bloated, but yep. easily overlookable. Yep. Uh, I, I'm shocked Matt Murdock was in it. That moment was
0: great. It, that I, I didn't think it I, – I assumed maybe. I was a little disappointed that he didn't come back as Daredevil later.
1: Yeah, because – it was I mean,
0: amazing to see him acknowledged.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how they would have done it.
0: To be honest, of getting Daredevil in there. Yep. And we're going to talk about... um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye as part of this conversation because it ties in so closely. Right. That they kind of timed the release of the last episode of Hawkeye Mm -hmm. to align with the release of the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. That Hawkeye episode that came out the Wednesday prior to the one you're listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. showed the Kingpin and then you saw Vincent D'Onofrio in the credits to the show. So you know that now that Netflix universe is Canon. Yeah. In addition to that, you saw the reveal that the statue of Liberty got cleaned of all the gunk and they're putting the captain America shield on it. Yes. And of course that gets destroyed during the Spider-Man no way home. Uh huh fight, um, which <laughs> was just such a fun thing to be like, man, if you're up to date, like it was crazy to get a tease to that mm-hmm. and then see it pay off in a movie theater a couple days later. Yeah. Like that was fucking crazy. It was so cool. And I was like, man, the amount of work that goes into the planning of these things is just unfucking believable. And it pays off. If you're like a continuous fan, I get that if you're like a new person and you kind of get superhero fatigue and whatnot like I totally respect that and I understand it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a if you're really into it, oh my god, they do such a good job of paying this stuff off for us and making it so much fun.
1: I imagine there's hundreds of whiteboards in a room with string uh-huh. connected to pages <laughs> right. and notes and
0: scribblings and mm-hmm. that's what it's like to work at Marvel. Before before we get into the um post-credit scenes. Okay, sure. I want to talk about the glaring absence in this movie that I think a lot of people were expecting, wanting in the Spider-Man movie, especially since it was multiversal. Mm, I think I know what you're going to talk about. And another reason why this was like an immediate A- for me was no Miles Morales.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: To me, that was like the big thing that I was like, okay, there's probably a secret they managed to keep throughout all the Mm -hmm. craziness that's going to like blow my butt off. Right. And it's got to be Miles Morales. Right. And the fact that it didn't come was pretty weak to me. Like I got the daredevil thing and that was the big surprise that I didn't really like I kind of knew about, but didn't like fully understand like how directly it was going to be acknowledged. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. But I got to a point where I just was like, Come on, they gotta have even in the movie, like elect, Jamie Fox's Electro. I know, love that is part. Is like, there's got to be a Black Spider Man out there somewhere. Yeah, and I was like, fuck yeah, we are doing this this movie. Yeah, and it still didn't happen. I, it's I, gotta happen soon. It it has to happen soon,
1: and I wonder if they didn't do it because it, it would have felt so shoehorned in. Because when Miles get in, when Miles gets introduced, yeah, it needs to be a big deal. Yep. and there were so many big deals in this movie already. Uh-huh. Like they they didn't um, wanted to be overshadowed. Sure, because you got Toby, you got Andrew Garfield, you got all these fucking villains from every other movie.
0: Like adding Miles would have been just too much. I don't think so. I think they could have done it during a a post credit scene. Yeah, much like we're going to talk about this, but they threw Venom. In the post credit mm-hmm. scene, and you saw, what's his name? Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Um, playing his Sony Universe Venom character that got blasted into our universe. Mm-hmm. Like, take out that scene, and leave Mile and, like, and, be and a be Miles, and then kind of be like thing. miles is already crossing over into like different multiverses anyway right yeah let's just say when he gets when miles morales from into the spider verse gets spat out into our universe he's a, looks like a human yeah you know what i mean like take that scene to just like acknowledge him or show him and give us an actor debut or something and just like let us know that it's coming. I uh, think I think that would have been fucking people would have lost their shit. The
1: the next opportunity for them to do that is Doctor Strange 2. Cuz that deals with multiverse stuff. Yeah. And so I could see that
0: happening there. Uh-huh. Which we got like a weird trailer? I don't think it makes sense to introduce Miles Morales in a non-Spider-Man movie. Okay. Especially when you're dealing with, like, the weird contracts that Disney has with Sony.
1: Yeah. That
0: we're, like, we're going to take a full-on Disney movie Mm -hmm. and wrap your shit into it that makes it make less money for us. I don't know. They're not going to do that. They might do the thing where they, the unlimited story arc where they kill Peter Parker and replace him with Miles. I mean, I think maybe that's what the next trilogy is going to be.
1: Yep. Is Tom Holland, you know, finding Miles, training Miles, Working and then dying. Working his way
0: toward death, yep. Yeah. Um. But the I guess, like, the Venom thing was fun. They have to pay it off. Um, the Sony Venom already did, like, Carnage and stuff. So I think they're going to lay into Black Suit, yeah, oh, for sure. Spider-Man, like, quite a bit. Yeah. And that'll be fun. Now that they've reset him to, like, low technology, mm-hmm. that'll be, like, another great opportunity to be like, well, I can do all this stuff now. Yeah, I'm, like, super powered. Yeah. Like, even more. Right. So,
1: I mean, I if they do a, a Craven uh storyline with the black suit and, like, the, what's it called? Like, the last hunt or something like yeah. that. Like, that would be... Fantastic uh, for another Spider-Man movie.
0: Yeah, he gets buried alive.
1: <laughs> it'd be um, it'd be awesome. Like uh, Craven is a great villain that yeah. not a lot of people.
0: If no acknowledge, one's done him in the movies yet. No, have they. Yeah, uh-uh.
1: and so that would be a lot of fun. I you I know, I, I'm glad that Tom Hardy isn't going to be the MCU Venom. Yeah, because. I've never seen a Spider Man, uh, uh, I've never seen, seen a Venom Sony picture. Uh-huh. But the five minutes I got with that interaction was terrible to get through.
0: Oh, yeah. They've got this whole like Laurel and Hardy dynamic. It's fucking god awful. Yeah. And the Venom voice is like so hard to listen to. Eat him. I love brains. It is
1: like, <laughs> oh, it's like, he's like a Jeff Dunham puppet. Yeah. It is so bad.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's bad. Super campy. Yeah.
1: And it's just like, and Tom Hardy's doing this terrible, yeah, like New York accent. Uh huh. And it's just like I couldn't get through an hour and a half of yeah. of this guy. Yep. Not even if you paid me. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Okay, so that was our mid credit scene, mm-hmm. and then our post credit scene was a trailer for the Doctor Strange it movie. It wasn't
1: like it was like the weirdest trailer. Yeah. It was like. Basically they just like showed proof that they've been working on the movie. Yes. They're
0: like, here's some scenes. Yeah. Like it was bizarre. (laughs) Like here's kind of what we think's gonna happen in the movie. They're almost always like a unique setup instead of just like a promo for the next movie. Mm -hmm. And that's all this was was a promo for the next movie. Right. I mean, it was fucking awesome. And it was like totally and you kind of like after watching um the Wandavision show, Mm mm-hmm you almost forget that, like, oh, the Scarlet Witch is still in play to, like, be in these movies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, yeah, TV universe now. So when I see her show up in that post credit scene, I was like, oh, fucking cool. All the magic people are going to get together, <laughs> and we're going to do a magic movie.
1: Well, we, and we get our first look at uh, American Chavez.
0: Yes. Which was great. I know. That was cool. I saw the – um, they, they do have a moment where you see – her jean jacket with the sequin star on mm-hmm. the back, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And that was another moment that I was like, "No one in this theater fucking knows what that recognized is." Recognized a lick of what that was. Yeah, and then
1: you got we have got our first quick look of uh, Shuma Gorath, that weird tentacle creature with the one eye.
0: Oh, I have no clue.
1: That's a common villain in Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Okay, cool. And like he is, he, he is a being that eats alternate dimensions.
0: Oh right, I remember one of a storyline where he was used.
1: Yeah, and he he's popular because he was in the Marvel vs. Capcom video game, okay. as well as uh, as like a villain to, yeah. to fight with. So,
0: all right, that's pretty obscure, but makes sense.
1: For the it, it's line. obscure, yeah. Bingo. And yeah. then we got a look at alternate dimension Doctor Strange, evil
0: Doctor Strange yeah. from the What If series, uh-huh. which was cool. Yep. And I, I and totally. There were a couple scenes that gave us Kang vibes. But mm-hmm. they never literally showed him. No. So you kind of get a feeling that you might get Kang in Doctor Strange, or at least I did. Right. Some of the environments, I was like, "Ooh, that looks like."
1: Well, they're definitely going into the multiverse. Yeah. Like hub. Uh huh. And
0: um, so we might we might do some acknowledging with like some of the Loki universe and stuff. Oh,
1: I think we 100 yeah. percent will.
0: And then we also get like because you're getting with with um multiple universes and stuff you're mm-hmm. getting into the variants and multiple versions oh, t- of yeah. people that shouldn't be there mm-hmm. so they're, it's crossing over quite well
1: yeah I, it, I'm not worried about them or how they planned it or how they've written this out yeah. I, I'm sure it'll be tied up with a bow and it'll be great but um, I, I, I think yeah that's all I got <laughs> <laughs> I mean we've said it all like what else can you say I mean Doctor Strange 2 will be out sometime next year. Q1, Q2, maybe. Yep. I'm excited for it. Same. I think we get Miss Marvel before that on Disney+. Plus. That's right. Which, I don't really know how I'm going to react to that show. I haven't seen much of the previews or anything. I've seen like a so. few images. I'm just like, hmm. It's kind of goofy.
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: But Hawkeye's slapping on... Kicks ass on every level. Yeah.
0: I already is. decided I'm gonna watch it next Christmas too.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Caitlin was just like, can we, "When this is done, can we rewatch it?"
0: Yeah, just back to back to
1: back. Yeah, in a row. Uh huh. Because
0: um, that and Loki. Loki was so good. God damn. I need to rewatch Loki. I put it kind of low on my uh MCU ranking, or lower than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Like once I was thinking about like my favorite movies and things, and I yeah. was like, maybe I do my list again or watch that again and then see if I change my mind on where I put Loki in that yeah. list because it was it was a really good show. Um, all right, this has been our year-end mega special. We're taking Christmas off, so hopefully this extra padding on this issue <laughs> Sati- satiates you, you for uh, a little bit of extra time there, and then we'll be back in the new year talking new first issues like we always do. Yeah.
1: Have a good holiday. Be safe out there.
0: Thanks for listening for uh, the whole year. Yeah.
1: To all of our old fans, we love you. To all of our new fans, we also love you. Lots of love. Bye.
0: First Issue Club is brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company via Space Camper Cosmic IPA. Our music is courtesy of the fine folks at Primary Color Music. You can find, friend, and follow us on social media at First Issue Club or FirstissueClub.com. You can support First Issue Club by joining us on our Patreon for additional content at patreon.com firstissueclub.